Happy Shark Girl Week, and welcome to the fifth straight day of a Rockville Public Radio bringing you new content. Today's a little different. Today's a bit of a bonus episode. This is digging way back into the archives. In our very first episode back in August, we covered the books that came out August 17th of 2022. But what you might not realize is that was actually the third or fourth week that Keegan and I sat down. I saved all those practice records, and this is the first of those. So this is the very first time Keegan and I got together to make a podcast. Discover the week of July 20th, you're going to notice some format differences. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We wanted to launch with the beginning of Judgment Day. And we had some growing pains, so we knew we had to take some practice shots to get as amazing of production values as we have now. I think there's some fun in this conversation, so I hope you check it out. Remember, we've got stuff coming out all week. Uh, we've got our Discord server, and there is some merch if you follow the link. Have a great short girl week. And we got to decide on, like, an intro. Yeah, that, ooh, yeah. Do, do we attempt like an NPR voice? <laughs> right. <laughs> do we? Welcome to Iraqo Public Radio. The world is burning. <laughs> the council's dead. The great ring is dead, but we're still here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to Iraqo Public Radio, I guess. Yeah, Maybe absolutely. Some of that. Maybe the whole thing. Maybe. Uh, so we are a brand new X-Men podcast. Cool. Uh, I guess we're going to attempt to come to you weekly. Our, our name has become ironic already. So who knows what we'll be called six weeks from now. Yeah. I mean, you know, you pick a name and then they immediately tell you that you're a fool for doing it. <laughs> uh, I am Rod. Uh, I'm on TikTok and all the social medias is that nerdy papa bear. And I'm Keegan. Uh, I am on all the social medias and TikTok as Bulk Ranger. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, do you have a reason you want to talk about about why we're doing the X Men of all things? You know, I mean, honestly, for me, it's just I became obsessed with the the Krakoan era, like okay. of all of it. Like, I I got back into comics again fairly recently, and my friend got me hooked with all of the Hickman era stuff. Yeah. Uh, similar story. I mean, I, I was super into X-Men in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, got kind of beat down by... The last time I was super into comics before this year was uh, the Bendis era. And uh, just a lot of that beat me down and had me kind of falling out of the X-Men game. Uh, but then it was actually just February of this year that I binged everything from House of X till now and... Uh, reading it in binge mode made everything awesome, like the smallest of the smallest tie-in, and has me convinced I'm going to follow it all until I die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, like I I was able to binge it all as well, and doing that is uh, helps you see everything in the bigger picture. Absolutely. Whereas I feel like in the monthly model, I would have been lost. <laughs> well, that's like a uh, ten of swords or X of swords, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people complained about the pacing when it came out. I found out after the fact, like going back and just checking, like, oh, what, what, what was the deal with this reference or whatever? And like a lot of the complaints while it was happening were about pacing. And to me, it flowed perfectly. That's my favorite thing since they've come back was Ten of Swords. I thought that was a great crossover. But it's interesting the difference between reading it binge and reading it as it comes out. Yeah. I wonder if, like, looking back on it all collected people might say the same thing about like uh 10 lives 10 deaths like put all together it's much better <laughs> i don't know if we have time but i don't think there's any way to read 10, li- 10 lives and 10 deaths that's 
gonna bring yeah. you around on it. <laughs> no, that's very fair. It's just uh, I wonder. <laughs> um, so do you have any like X Men like eras that you you did read before, or is this really like your introduction was Hickman? I mean, aside from you know being a kid watching the '90s show and watching the movies. I never got too deep into reading them beforehand just because it always felt like the barrier for entry was too high, you know, Um, especially when you're a kid not making money. (laughs) Oh, totally. It's always been the the rich man's game. Mm -hmm. Even if, even if there's like one main book, eventually it's going to tie into 12 books for a crossover. So, you know, you'll be investing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so uh, really coming into this era is like my first, I'm following everything and loving it era so cool yeah it's it's so, fantastic so what about era, you are like, you talking about uh hickman like all of since hickman yeah or are you talking about <laughs> destiny okay because like honestly destiny is the first weekly i've been following because even um i mean it was halfway through uh 10 lives 10 deaths that i jumped in so i think this fresh start with immortal x-men is the first time i'm following everything weekly which is really cool yeah, that's that is cool to like start in right there. I mean, you know, I came in, you know, at the end of the Hickman run on X Men itself and all okay. of that. That's what, when I what actually timing came than in. Me. Yes. <laughs> so you guys follow Inferno Live or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we fo- yeah. Uh, my buddy and I we followed Inferno Live last year's Hellfire Gala where it was across like every book yes. and all of that. Yeah. That was another one that was really fun in binge mode because you could I, I read it all in a night, so it was like I was at the gala, so that was pretty cool. That's that's cool. That's super cool. Uh, my history is pretty like uh, when I was a kid, I I read like Morrison's. I was I was like addicted to Morrison after his just their sorry after their Justice League. Um, so like the first like week monthly I was picking up was uh, their new X Men. And I followed Astonishing, but I never like dove into everything. Uh, the la- uh, Remender's uh, Uncanny X-Force, which is a tangential book, but I love. like That's one of my favorite runs. But no, I'm with you. This is the first time I'm like fully invested, and I'm really, really digging it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, – I don't know what it is. I think it's between like all of the different ways that you can read it and just all that. It makes the ease of access a little bit easier. That's nice. Well, and even if, if if you can't invest the money, which we were just talking about, in the era of Marvel Limited, that's just sacrificing being three months behind. Or yeah. most libraries, you can at least get within a few months behind. Absolutely. And when you've got the sheer volume of books that come out, it doesn't necessarily hurt to be a few months behind. Yeah, and I mean, I'll tell you, Marvel Unlimited really helped me figure out what I like and what I don't like, just in Marvel's wheelhouse in general. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I marathoned all of Donny Cates' Venom in a day. Yeah. <laughs> so having that I, service is awesome. Absolutely. I think DC's catching up. I, I don't remember the mm-hmm. name of theirs. And it's very sim- it's, it's similar. They're fr- they stay further behind. They're like six or nine months. But they are getting there. And I have a feeling eventually they'll be one-to-one comparable. Mm-hmm. I, everyone praises Marvel Unlimited so much. DC's going to have to jump on board at some point. Yeah, I, I was subscribed to DC Infinite for a while, but it being six months behind, I was just kind of like, I'm, I'm as caught up as I can get with most of these. Absolutely. Well, and I feel like it's a lot, like three and six, even though it's only twice as long, it feels like half a year feels like an infinite, like this feels like a lot longer. Yeah. All right. So I think our format we're going to attempt is just to talk about each book every, or, or talk about the bigger of the books every week, maybe hit on the smaller books. 
and then maybe on the weeks where nothing's coming out, I I can talk you into reading an older book. We'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes on those light weeks. But luckily, at least two weeks of the month we got heavy weeks. Yeah, well, and I, I think it's gonna be a lot more more than two for for now because we just started Judgment Day, which takes us to the first issue we could talk about. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> How's that for a podcaster move? Transition. <laughs> That's a good one. I just, this this first issue, this Judgment Day first issue. Lightning pace. I, I didn't expect, I, I didn't expect them to cover all of that ground in the first issue. Absolutely. That felt like two or three issues worth, which in a way, this was like the third issue because we had the free comic book day issue and we had the prologue last week. And I would have liked a lot of this story to have been already covered in that so that we could have some breathing room. But Absolutely. Uh, it made for a flashbang issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it kind of, at the end of the day, it kind of works because it's so chaotic. It's like, this is probably how the attack would have felt chaos-wise. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I hadn't really pieced that together, but that's a really good point. But yeah, I mean, so much happened. A lot of huge implications just moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, uh, I I was going to kind of tackle it chronologically, but... Yeah, let's go for uh, it. (laughs) So so we had that opening with Phoenix kidnapping Cersei and uh, basically establishing two of the sides. And then you see Jean and Cyclops watching uh, and they have that crack about like, oh, I never thought I'd be jealous of... Or I don't know, does he use the word jealousy? I don't know how, how he phrases it. But basically references that someone other than Jean or Hope has the Phoenix and that he's jealous of it, mm-hmm. um, which was a f- funny opening line, but also was a kind of cool way to show us all three sides right away. Uh, I will be honest, I was expecting the uh, Eternal side of the fight to be the group that Cersei's in. Like, I, I was expecting... So when in the end, I think they kind of hint that... Uh, she's going to be siding with the Avengers, and so are her whole whole gang. I was a little I was a little surprised by that, to be honest. Yeah, I uh, I really didn't expect it to be like uh, that breakdown of the three teams. Yeah, that I, that really took me by surprise. Well, and I'll be honest, I didn't want this to involve the Avengers because I've loved the Eternals ongoing, and I've been loving everything with the X Men. So I was I was on team. Why are the Avengers even here? But if it's now, it's the anti-Druig Eternals with the Avengers, the big E Eternals, and then the X-Men. Like, that, to me, is a three-way war I can get behind. So I thought yeah. that was actually a really cool twist. Yeah, I thought that was nice. It kind of puts the Avengers in this, like, helping stage a coup kind of spot. Absolutely. Which makes it a lot more, like, politically interesting for the Eternals. Um, but yeah, I was really worried with the putting them all together though i was like is this just going to be another like avx with the eternals added on as an afterthought yep which i didn't want because i really like other than the x-men the eternals was probably my favorite marvel book for a while so i i wanted it to focus on them as much as possible um the the protesters that cyclops and uh gene ended up watching out the window uh that was that hit a little harder than i expected because the humans have kind of been dicks since pretty much they found out every human that's found out has been a jerk. So I didn't yeah. think they'd pull my heartstrings that much, but they did. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been having this thing where I'm like, it's not that hard to understand that it only works for mutants because you know, they're mutants, 
but then seeing like the humans like the like the protester that was saying like where's my daughter i was like oh okay i i i get it now (laughs) well and cyclops came off a little cold with this basically we don't even want to okay (laughs) yeah i know yeah that's uh it's like i know that you don't want to but isn't that like you're supposed to be superior (laughs) yeah yeah well and cyclops i i feel like he works best when he's the the voice of reason the one who does see humanity's idea a little bit but he's got gene now so gene's gene's keeping an eye on that i guess <laughs> um so then we crack we, we cut to destiny finally solidifying her vision we had mm-hmm. uh two more x-men issues ago uh, how many ever issues ago that was that it that branching timeline yeah, of the branching yeah. timeline where we saw that she had she knew it was going to be a war, but it could be any of these millions of things, including what was it, Avengers vs. X-Men 8. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like that, or like 7, or some yeah. insanely huge number. <laughs> Such a good joke. Uh, but, so she finally, however she narrows it down, she narrowed it down, and they went to warn the various factions, so we got uh, Nightcrawler running to the Iraqi. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, when he went to, when he got to Araco. It had the population box that we've we've been getting like in each location, and said population one million, and that mm-hmm. seems super relevant to me because uh, was it Tenosaurs when it went a uh, Hellfire Gala when they first moved to Mars, it was specifically a population of five million, and Legion of X had a couple uh, references to mercenary bands that didn't like the time as a piece and all left. So I'm wondering if when we get to the end, if that's part of the like excuse for more survivors than it looked like there were, because it looked like total utter devastation. But yeah, that might be. That's gonna I, I didn't notice that population box, or at least like those connections didn't click to me. That's interesting. Okay. So huh. I mean, it's, it's totally just possible it was an editorial mistake and they forgot they already gave us a number, but it seemed re- like why would they have included population boxes if something wasn't going to tie in at some point? Yeah, I mean, especially with them throwing around so many population numbers just throughout this event and the lead up to it, it has to, it's a little too much to be a messy mistake if it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on like that uh, Iraqi Great Ring scene. Uh, we went then to Iron Man's interrogation of Cersei. Um, I, I, what is up... I, I haven't read the current Iron Man ongoing. Where is Tony's characterization at? I I honestly wish I knew, uh, because even I, as a Tony Stark hater, uh, am like, what is going on here? Yeah, it was odd. Um, I liked Captain America coming in and reminding, like, she was one of us, dude. That was mm-hmm. <laughs> nice to see. Um. And it was kind of cool having like the two sides revealing to each other, even unintentionally. And like, oh, we're not with Droog anymore. Oh, Droog's attacking. Like, it was it was neat to see they both had gaps in the knowledge that they inadvertently filled in. Yeah, no one really knows what the other one doesn't. It's like very interesting. A lot of espionage possibilities. Uh, Droog's new role as Prime Eternal. We got to see a little more of a glimpse of that. Mm. Um, dude is a shit heel (laughs) yeah like oh my god i mean just the mental gymnastics alone to um do what he is doing 
that took some leaps for sure. I feel like he's always, to me, seemed more like like a Loki-like figure. Like I always yeah. thought he was more like mischievous almost. Like that he wouldn't straight up go to the genocide route. And I'm wondering if like he's gonna regret messing with Uranus. Uranus. I mean, he has to. Right. Hopefully. I mean, he has to. Like by the time they put the toys back in the box, I feel like they have to ramp him down. Like he can't be this super villain forever. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, in Uranus, I believe he even says it later, where he's just like, save yourself the time. Let me out now. <laughs> Absolutely. I forgot about that scene, but that was great. It was it was kind of chilling. <laughs> well, and you, you, you're not caught up on Eternals, right? On what? Eter- the Eternals, or did you end up reading mm-hmm. it? Okay, so, like, the, the last of the... Um, one shots because they had the 12 issue ongoing and then there was two one shots when they had to use i think it was really just they had to use fill-in artists that would call them one shots instead of actual issues of the series uh but basically it was thanos when thanos was prime eternal uh like going in and trying to manipulate uranus and get to his arsenal and they worked really hard to basically establish that as scary as thanos is Uranus is like two steps above. So I think it's going to be really fun. I think for how often we get new big bads that are just, oh, he's the new scary guy. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him truly unleashed. Of which, uh, we got to see Moira meeting with Droog right before the final assault. Yeah. Um, yeah speaking of uh, big bads, weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah. She's... I know we've talked off mic about my my kind of beef with her villain arc so far, uh, but I I'd say she's full on mustache twirling super villain at this point. Yeah, she's she's really just ramped it up uh, at an extreme pace. We yeah. could say. Well, we saw her wearing uh, who who was it skin? Oh in? yeah, whose skin was she wearing again? <laughs> now we have to look that up. But yeah, so to go from like kind of burned upset at being like exiled to straight up supervillain was a little quick for my taste but it was fun watching her and droog like eating donuts well he's explaining what's i think i think he was explaining it before it actually happened but getting the narration of him chewing donuts just chilling while they had the full-on all-out assault on both krakoa and rocco was badass as hell yeah that was wow (laughs) I I just it it is like interesting to see how much it is uh almost like political maneuvering at the highest level. Yeah. Um in a it's pretty cool to see. I mean, yeah, Moira is a real heel real fast. Well, and I feel like we're not like because we saw her last week at the gala where she was running from Spider-Man, which I guess the scene with Droog is after whatever we're gonna eventually see in spider-man these delays between different books have completely thrown off like order of how things happen for me that that part is like really confusing to me is like with where the delays end up it's like i know you can't delay everything connected to it but could you delay everything connected to it well no one's liking the current spider-man book just skip whatever was in between and release the stuff that's relevant to us yeah i mean are we really going to do Mary Jane that dirty? Like everything that's going on with that. And then also have Moira wearing Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then like, we have to deal with the fact that she's a robot now, eventually. Like, 
we've just seen her showing up places. It's not like she's dripping oil. So <laughs> at yeah. some point, they're going to have to reference the fact she's a robot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they start with the attack on the Quiet Council. You're right, yeah, because it's the psychic assault. And then, yeah. and then he reveals, like, oh, that wasn't everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, they have a psychic assault on the entire Quiet Council. And he's like, yeah, but that wasn't everything. Don't yeah. worry. We got layers. That, like, I, I love that they have that short conversation about the fact that Mr. Sinister was kidnapped. And yeah. their like main concern is who are you gonna replace him with? Like they're not even like like it's not even on the plate of once they realize the eternal things happening, they're like uh, they they forget all about even bothering to save him, which with everything we know he's up to, probably the right call, but it's still yeah. really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the right call. We can leave him for now. <laughs> Uh, but then after they're knocked out by the psychic assault, and I th- I think that extends to all the psychics on the island, right? It's just- I believe so, due to the like the psychic warfare above the island part. It's and supposed it's- to knock everybody out, yeah. Yeah. Good call. Uh, then they uh, uh, start the physical assault, which uh, has Cyclops and the X-Men show up right away, which, for having been a psychic attack, he got word somehow. I don't think they establish how they were aware right away did they no i don't think so um maybe they, they have some non-psychic alarm system but you wouldn't think you'd need that if you were i mean we have wolverine yelling sound the expletive alarm oh <laughs> and then it so cuts to some kind of quickly to krakoa x-men uh so there's some sort of system and i don't know Maybe the polycule is just that strong. <laughs> Do you think John Hamm is in any danger? Is he still around? <laughs> I mean, you know, I hope not. I love him. <laughs> I mean, they do they do make it clear, like, oh, we're not we don't need to bother destroying the gates first because the X Men do have other modes of travel. So maybe they have other modes of communication too. Yeah. Or you know, maybe we'll find out in a week or two, like what it actually was. Let's. Well, um, uh, we know for sure the next issue of X Men Red is full on everything. Like it runs parallel, but is everything on a Rocco? So I wouldn't be surprised if we had multiple issues that are just parallel stories that flesh out stuff. Yeah. Um, I liked that it was pretty much a reveal almost right away that most of the attack was it meant to be a distraction just so that Jack and I could get to the five. Mm-hmm. Um, I was full on trick. I thought Egg was gone, and we lost Resurrection already. So yeah, I, I I genuinely thought the issue one was them saying, "Okay, Resurrection's not a thing anymore, and uh, this is going to go bad." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the. I mean, it's the classic Wolverine knows too much and is is, is too powerful right away. But I like that he stood his ground against Jack and Knives like right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of focus on hope. I I. As much as I didn't dig the Messiah era of X-Men, uh, I, I like that she's getting some real focus these days. Absolutely. I think that they're kind of fixing that focus to make it a little bit better. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just putting her on the council, I feel like, which we'll have to see what the council looks like as it resets pretty much every giant crossover, but has been a really cool move, even if they haven't shown us a ton of it yet. I- mm-hmm. Uh, I am interested to see, since it's probably going to run completely parallel, I'm really interested to see what exactly Nightcrawler is yelling about when he's coming through that portal. 
Oh, when absolutely. When he's yelling, you know, my God, my God. I want to see, like, what is happening that's making him scream that? Not just the general destruction, but the specific the destruction. Moment. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be good. Well, and is that, are we going to see that in red or are we going to see that in Legion? Because we've got, we've got two books taking place up there. Yeah, that's a good point. I was assuming red, but yeah, it could be Legion since that's more his book. Well, we'll get to it in a second, but I, I think uh, red might focus pretty much entirely on Magneto. On, uh, we'll see. You don't say. <laughs> uh, so that reveal was pretty amazing. So we get the... The moment we we saw their life first, right? We see them hatching uh, the new egg and the new Cable. Yeah. And Cable's yelling, what happened? What happened? And instead of getting any explanation from Nightcrawler, we cut to Uranus with his amazing countdown. Counting down his hour. Yep, counting oh. down the last moments of his hour while holding a skull that... Uh, Looking back is Cable Skull. I hadn't noticed. You see the circuitry. So yeah, holding, that's right. He's holding Cable Skull as it turns to dust. He hits one. We see Magneto's helmet, and then we see the entire devastation, which I don't know. Yeah. Like, like that. <laughs> we went from the civilization of Morocco to that. It's pretty huge. Yeah, scorched, scorched earth uh, all over again. Undoing all of the work done. At the well, yeah, theoretically, and I don't know how much we want to get into solicitations as like preludes. Right. But, uh, I really liked uh, X Men Red Seven, which fast forward if you don't want to hear this, but X Men Red Seven, which comes out the very last month of the event, uh, specifically talks about uh, them trying to boot Iska, the Unbeaten, from the Great Ring. So that lets us know she survives, and that there's at least enough of the Great Ring alive to have some sort of quorum so yeah we'll have to see i mean who even knows as far as this goes it could involve time travel at this Absolutely. point <laughs> well and uh i want to we'll cover a couple more things i do have a theory for where this is all going that's kind of bad shit but i kind of want to get out there because i yeah. want to, be able to point back to it if it ends up being where karen Gillen's going to be like that's that's where we were going this whole time i called it mm-hmm uh, but we do see Uranus back uh, in the prison with Droog, and he basically taunts him, like you said, with, hey, you bet, you might as well give up now. Like, Just let me out. You're going to let me out. Let me out. And that's pretty pretty great. Yeah. The, let me out, boy. It'll save time. And then just the absolute mic drop of, I promise I'll try to spare a hemisphere. I was thinking about the fact that he accomplished, we think, like, we don't really know how much he destroyed, but he accomplished more than in one hour than a minth did in, was it a thousand years, a million years? Whatever that time frame was that they were at war with Araco, uh, he did more damage in an hour. And that's pretty amazing to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's chilling. Like how, absolutely. Chilling. how, how are we going to defeat this? I might be, mo- I might be more excited about, uh, the X-Men Red issue where we're going to see just what the hell he did more than I am the second issue of the event. Like, I want to see the gritty details so bad. Yeah, I, I really want to see, like, what is going to happen that causes this much destruction this quickly. I mean, to, to theoretically be taking out Magneto and Storm and the rest of the civilization in an hour, like, yeah. oh, man. So good. So then it, we got... Uh, 
Drew's reveal of his next phase, where he sent the message. Apparently, the Eternals are not don't just have their like eternal machine, but they're also apparently tech wizards, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, with his transmission to all citizens about, hey, we're gonna take out the X Men, but don't worry. Uh, there's going to be some giant kaiju out off the coast, and we don't want you to freak out. Here's the thing that I found interesting about what Drig had to say. He was like, hey, I'm talking to you guys through every electronic device that's your own because we're higher class than to talk in your minds. Which, listen, all I know is I was really upset when I woke up one day and you two had uploaded a random album to my iPhone. Absolutely. People would so, be way more pissed about that. I think you're right. I, I genuinely think that people would be more pissed about him playing with their phones than... When they tested the, like, universal emergency system when we all got a text and everyone yes. freaked out that, like, oh, they're going to start sending campaign texts or whatever, like, the theory was that yep. it was going to be abused. You're, you're 100% right. I didn't even think about that. I just thought about how shitty it was that everyone gets this message saying, all mutants are going to die and... Every single person we saw was, yeah. Yeah. There was like not a single shot of someone being like, wow, that's that's kind of the same old bigotry we always had. Yeah, no, everyone's pretty stoked. Um, you know, goodbye to all the mutants. Let's have these giant Pacific Rim kaiju looking things coming out. Like, for all, it makes me want to put back on my Cyclops' right shirt. Because it's true. He yeah. Go, the humans didn't deserve resurrection if they're that quick to say like yeah kill them all that's Seriously. insane how many mutant genocides do they have to go through before the humans just stop <laughs> cyclical nature of comics it'll never end that honestly um but that's we see avengers assemble which we knew we'd have to see happen at least once in the first mm -hmm. couple issues uh but everyone gets ready to go except for tony who notices the invaders this time. And it's Ajak and Makari, which if you... Just a quick recap, since you didn't read the Eternals arc, and I think they covered it a little in the prologue. A little bit. Issue. Um, but basically, once they figured out that the, the Eternals... Uh, the reason there's this band that broke apart from the Eternals is a they found out that the machine which is the Earth, the whole Earth is the machine in, in the Eternals terms, was resurrecting uh, them every time they die, which they had always known about, but they found out the mechanism involved killing one human every time. Basically, they traded a life for a life to bring the Eternals back, and that's the way it had always been, but they wiped their memory so they didn't know about it because the moral compass, most of them would not be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And so when they found that out, they wanted to find out more information and there's no more Celestials, but they knew where a Celestial Corpse was. So they they had invaded in the... It was the last arc or the second to last arc. Uh, they invaded the Celestial Body. And that's when Thanos managed to take over while they were doing that. So Thanos was Prime Eternal while they were uh, basically tricking their way and then fighting the Avengers. So we actually just already got Avengers versus Eternals. but um, And the, it basically ended with Ajax and Makari, who are... Uh, uh, I think Makari is kind of the religious zealot of them. So she thinks the only way they can fix things is with a Celestial. So apparently they broke in and they successfully convinced Tony Stark of all people, which I thought was a cool twist to help them revive the Celestial. Which leads me to the theory that I want to get on the record. Hit it. So, so the very last page, 
we get this narration in pink text boxes, and it's basically it's a very vague like, and then who will win kind of narration. I'll, I'll look up the exact words while while I'm talking, but that pink text box happens to match the text boxes of all the Eternals issues that was the narration by. Uh, the Earth, except they were blue. So the machine was these blue text boxes with the same font, same style, but in blue. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the, the exact quote is, well, who is the hero? We'll find out one way or another. We will find out. Now, you could say maybe they just went with pink because it's a blue like landscape of the celestial, like you see the celestial body in blue. Um, so they just needed something contrasted. But my theory is... That, uh, let me make sure I put this in a logical order. My theory is that pink narration box is because it's the machine, but not the Earth. It's Mars, Araco. I think Judgment Day is one of their classic like triple meaning titles, and it's going to be the Celestial that Ajak and Makari and Tony are like reviving is going to pass oh and they're using mr sinister's corpse i feel like that should be said they're using, yeah they're not corpse they're using they're, they're using kidnap mr sinister uh and to theoretically revive this celestial but i think that that celestial is going to pass judgment on everyone in the end and he's going to judge that the iraqi and Araco deserve to be brought back and they're going to revive them against their will which will set up great stuff in x-men red because we just had that whole arc about how the Iraqi don't believe in resurrection. They don't want to be resurrected. They won't be resurrected. So if they're resurrected against their will, that sets up really good stuff there. It reverts the killing of Magneto and theoretically Storm and Cable. Like, it, it, takes, it takes back all of the, the issues we just ran into. It doesn't end up destroying this really great, thriving two series. We have Legion and X-Men Red that are taking place on Iraq. So we don't have... Like, we don't have time to get rid of it four issues in because those are the two critically acclaimed books right now they've got, or two of their critically acclaimed books. Um, and to me, that's the only thing I can think of why they pick pink. Yes. I, unless unless it's like a, they, they change the personality of the Earth. But to me, that was the theory that, like, stuck in my head. Was I have, I have to agree with you. Uh, I think you're right. Especially because not only is the pink narration at the end of the book, but it's at the very beginning of the book, too. Was it? Okay. That, yeah. That didn't and me. the very first page is that same pink narration. And he says, there you are. You do not know me. I wish to oh. know you. I do not yet exist. Holy crap. How did I miss that? That's the, that's, that solidifies my theory, I feel I, like. I, I really think so. I am of such power that I can speak to you even now. And I think that that might be partially just the the mutants. Uh, I missed revive. it. I reread because it's before the title page, so I scrolled yeah. back and I that. But the mutants, um, you know, giving giving the life to Mars, maybe through resurrection, since their powers have been amplified through resurrection, have already kind of given the potential to the machine. Absolutely. I think that would be beautiful. That would be such a fun route to go. It'd be really cool, like, juxtaposition if instead of a weaker Rocco, we got, like, a more powerful Rocco after the event. Um, and, like, Orcus is hardly playing into this event so far, and really, it should be Orcus that's the main villain up there, so. Yeah, that. And speaking speaking to the resurrection uh, and the pow powers getting more amplified through resurrection yeah. with Sync, right? Sync getting his powers more amplified. Oh, yeah, okay, going back to Gala. Yeah, just this, this is something we need to talk about. Quick going back to Gala, because I think we need to talk about this, right? 
sync uh, his power is getting stronger he can use you know his muscle memory i believe they said yeah. but at the cost of him aging and people are saying you know why does this matter you know since resurrection is there is it a vanity thing i don't think it's a vanity thing i think that it's a low stakes way to introduce that the more you get resurrected and the more you tap into these powers they come at a cost and the cost might be different for every person okay that's a really cool thought line i i was on the vanity was a misdirection thing i, I like mm -hmm. because we got vanity over in immortal x-men that same week so yeah i don't it, think it's a vanity thing but i do think either they got so crammed for space they weren't able to tell the whole like arc they wanted to in that scene or uh it's intentionally supposed to get us like why do we care and then we're gonna find out there was more of that conversation later or something yeah that that could be too i'm wondering which way they're gonna go with it I, but i think you're on to something though yeah absolutely kind of could be a well if you tap into these bigger powers and there's a bigger cost and the cost can be different for everyone and maybe maybe it's something that resurrection can't fix for certain people i i think that would be really cool well, and we know the era of resurrection is going to come to an end eventually because everything does in comics. And I think there's going to be someone that comes in and wants to go a different route with, with, with the X-Men as characters. I'm really hopeful we've got at least another three. Like, it just seems like such a lush, like, garden to play in. I really hope we keep this toy box for a while before we revert to whatever we're going to revert to next. I mean, in theory, we have 16 million dead mutants we can play with, yep. right? Absolutely. <laughs> so there's so many options. It could run for a long time. I mean, case in point, Nyla Rose of AEW wrote an incredible one-shot. That Thunderbird issue was so good. So good. Uh, and just dealing with the, the idea of being like one of the first uh, X-Men to die, finally being brought back. Like, you can do that with a lot of different characters. So speaking of people that have died, do we think there's any chance Magneto is still dead December 31st of this year? No. Like no. There's, there's no way this is uh, like, I, I don't even know. I'm not even using permanent as we mean the word permanent. Is there any chance that this is lasting to the end, like past the end of the event? And I genuinely don't think so. Um, I think that he'll be back as maybe maybe even he's part of the machine or maybe he becomes an eternal you know like i, I, I was gonna go there of if if mar if Araco gets a machine it's gonna need eternals and how great of like an arc for magneto would it be for him to fill in that role for a while because yeah. he, he's been talking about uh and that's the other reason i don't think we can go like him he can't he can't that's the other reason i don't think he can die right now is because in red he's had such a good arc of talking about how he needs that redemption and he wants to redeem basically the guilt he has over the stuff he and professor x had to do to make krakoa happen mm -hmm. and i think a great way for him to do that now that he's bonded with the Iraqans would be to become their eternal guardian or one of if a machine needs eternals or at least that's what we were led to believe about the eternals of earth so yeah and i mean I think it's also the cleanest way to bring him back and not make his play to impress the quiet, uh, not the quiet council, the ring, uh, to let him and storm in. You know, he destroyed their backups. Yep. 
So to just bring him back via regular resurrection, I feel would cheapen that. The only way I could see him going that route is if they wanted to build conflict between him and Xavier even deeper. True. Uh, with Scarlet Witch having created the garden, or is that what they called it? The creating, garden. Creating the waiting the room. room. The waiting room. Thank you. <laughs> with Scarlet Witch having created the waiting room, you essentially can bring him back even if he destroys his backup because theoretically there's a version of him hanging out in the waiting room too. Yeah. Um, so they w- it would be interesting to see like him brought back against his will. I don't know that they're going to go there though, because I don't know that they want to sit there and explain like, no, he really did delete himself, but we also had this other backup, but I could see that as another possibility if we needed a unexcused to bring him back. And they love building conflict between those two. Absolutely. I you know, also, I think the thing is, is they're going to have to have him alive by the end of the year. And this is a little bit of a, you know, outside take of it but you know they're gonna have to start building brand for the mcu x-men movies now is that gonna mean the end of krakoa though do we have to for the x-men movies move away from this status quo i want so badly for them just to introduce the mutants in the krakoan era like how cool, I, would, that, how cool would that be to just have krakoa like appear off the shore of whatever cuba or wherever they want to place it and have all of the current mcu folks have to deal with that fact that would be so cool it's cool i think it's possible i mean at this point you know anyone can explain anything with its comics but i think especially with moira you can really just be like yeah okay moira died now Krakoa's is here let's go <laughs> there you go but I, yeah and like uh, I, I could see like because we got the reveal of Miss Marvel, so we know. In did you watch the Miss Marvel show? I have not. Um, okay. I, I I'm so behind on my Disney. No, plus. no worries. <laughs> Just the, the the last episode's final reveal. Uh, spoilers for listeners who want to watch Miss Marvel still unspoiled because we are an X Men podcast. But yeah, uh, the final sh- final scene of Miss Marvel is revealing that she is a mutant. They they've changed her history from being an inhuman to a mutant. So. There is an X gene out there in the MCU now, and apparently at least her and her dad knew about it. So okay. I, I don't know how they're going to deal with the fact that that somehow never came up for the entirety of these films, but we'll see what they do with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to I would see. Love, I would love jumping right into Krakoa, though. You are yeah. so... We've seen every other iteration in some form. It would be we, awesome. We've, we've done it all to death. You know, why not just do it? There's nothing to lose. Yeah. Um. Oh, we brought up Scarlet Witch's waiting room. Yes, I have not seen a solicitor that talks that brings her into uh, Judgment Day at all. Are we really going to have Magneto dead and not see her just wiping out like legions yeah. of Droog's forces at some point? I mean, she's going to have to show up, right? She has to, right? Like, I mean, it's what makes sense. Well, I mean, last last we saw her was the trial or. Did we see, she was at the gala, wasn't she? Because she was probably announcing at the gala. So before the she gala, the, the gala. last time we saw her was the trial. Yes. So we haven't really seen her and Magneto interact since his self-imposed exile. So it would be really cool to see her pissed at losing him. Yeah, I wonder, does she even know? That's true. We don't really know what she's up to day to day. But she's in communication with someone if she's at the gala. So she's yeah. somehow still involved in the day to day of Krakoa. So I know you said you didn't read Knights of X. So the fourth issue came out gambit died as the final scene of the last one 
and uh, they only seem mildly concerned with that fact. <laughs> uh, so we got we got them trying to get the Siege Perilous, and apparently they think like using the Siege Perilous is going to be the way to bring his body back to Krakoa and thus revive the real Gambit. Because there's that whole issue right now where everyone on the Avalon side of things or the other world side of things cannot be revived using uh, the resurrection protocols or they come back different. It, it, you get funky versions of, of the character and uh, they don't want to do that to the Gambit. So they're just dragging his corpse around, but uh, it ends with them getting the Siege Perilous and ends with Betsy Brad and Captain Britain and Rachel Summers making out, finally professing their love for each other, which like is a great moment, and like they belong together. They've had great chemistry through the whole run, but seems really weird in like the first issue after a big character death. And we're getting a Gambit miniseries next week that's like a flashback mini, and like it's supposed to be this big time of mourning. But how is anyone supposed to believe that they've really killed this character when the characters don't even care? Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what to do with Knights of X right now. That's fair. I, I mean, okay, so I'm looking at it right now. And yeah, like, we're ending it with them making out and, what is it, rainbow butterflies a bit on the nose. <laughs> well, and like, they reference the fact that it's on the nose. and then you find Yeah, that exactly. Not, like, they think it's Captain Britain making them and it's actually the, the Siege Perilous, like, guardian guy. But it's such a weird moment. And it's something I'm running into with a couple of these books that i really was enjoying a knights of x is is continuation of excalibur i really dug large chunks of excalibur it had it, it it was a longer run through the era of krakoa because it kept going all the way up until inferno or through inferno um when it was dealing with like ten of swords and all of that stuff it was great i loved the short trip into avalon and but I feel like the longer, I feel like the longer Tinny Howard is on this book, the it just drags. That they, they they don't know what they want to do with this group of characters, and there's so much they could do with all the different realms. This Merlin fight is just dragging on, and there's no emotional weight to anything because, and maybe this is a, a, a Krakoa issue, but there's no emotional weight to anything happening because let's drag the corpse back, you know they. Even when they give us a reason that, like, oh, in this instance, death will matter, by the next issue, they're telling us why, oh, nah, it's still not a big deal. Yeah, it's it's definitely harder to have, like, meaningful stakes when death means nothing. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why some of, like, the more interpersonal books sing. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, it's it's a double-edged sword. The yeah. stuff where it's working, it's working so well because it's so unique, because like the main like driver of conflict is pulled out of it so that it's leaving in this room for really great stuff but then there's instances like this where like i feel like they aren't utilizing it the right way yeah absolutely By immediately taking away the thing that gave it weight it's just a weird choice it's it's kind of like with it you have to write write the books in a newer way you can't just do your actiony you know monthly thing like, I think that's why, for instance, Way of X was so good. Uh, what about Marauders? Are you reading Marauders at all? I am. I am reading Marauders, yeah. I really dug first volume of Marauders. I guess it probably wasn't actually. The first volume of Krakoa, Marauders. I really enjoyed um, this new writer is taking, is Steve Orlando, is that the name? He's taking some time to really click with me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned my love of the Grant Morrison New X-Men era. And so seeing Cassandra Nova treated like one of the teens is really weird for me. Um, but that's another one where I'm not sure like the book is totally singing for me. Like, uh, was it last issue or issue before Kitty Pride died? And it was just like, a, they just kept going. And it was just like, oh yeah, she's gone now. That's okay. Yeah. That a time heist. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Um, okay. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, and like theoretically, yeah, because they can resurrect her, but has anyone sent word back? Like, I don't know. It's just it's odd. It, it's definitely an odd book. And I'm, I may be just holding out a little bit extra hope because I actually really like Steve Orlando. Um, he okay. wrote, he wrote the run that got me really into Midnighter over at DC. Oh, okay. And like, I, I love that. I was lapsed. So yeah, this, this is interesting. Um, so his run on Midnighter and then Midnighter and Apollo, I love that really good. But you know, that's also a lot of just like, not necessarily street level, but a lot more, you know, common stuff. Well, and I'm not, I'm not saying I like, like I'm straight up, I think, disliking Knights right now. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that about Marauders. It's just, it's such a tonal shift from the last volume, which was much more street level, like just them on the boat, essentially. So it's, it's yeah. an interesting switch that I don't know full firing all cylinders for me yet. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping that something comes out that like makes it kind of click that last piece that kind of drops in and makes everything make more sense. Well, and it's had some pacing issues. I know they dropped a book from the first arc that it was originally going to be, I think, five issues and went to four or it was six and it went to five or whatever. So it, it moved really quick in some spots and really slow in some other spots. So there's a chance once he gets like leg room, maybe it'll really, really sing. That would make sense. I didn't even know about that dropped book. See, you're you're up to date on all that solicits and stuff that I. That's, that's, I'm excited to like. I think we're gonna have to include like a news section everywhere where we talk about like whatever news tidbits dropped because I do have fun with that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of, did you see the big uh, San Diego Comic Con news today? Uh, which one? Or maybe it wasn't. Was it? Was it San Diego or is it C2E2? One of, we, we got a, a Hickman panel announced. That he's oh. for sure. And it's a, it it's, doesn't specify what, he, what they're announcing about him, but Marvel made a big deal about having a Jonathan Hickman panel. And I know people are assuming it's going to be him being announced for whatever he does next. But yeah, a shred of hope that maybe, maybe post-Judgment Day, maybe he got his break and he's coming back to X-Men maybe? Maybe that would be cool. I've been wondering. I've been like, oh, I wonder where Hickman's going to end up because I want to know very badly. I'm pretty sure the only thing he's done is a story in that Moon Knight Black, Red, and White anthology series. Mm-hmm. It was a neat story. It was in, and this might be too tangential, but it was a story about a future, like a deep future Moon Knight. So it was like an eight page story about this future, like post apocalyptic future Moon Knight who was, uh, had like this, this sidekick character that he was working with and it was it was really interesting and felt like it was just the groundwork for an eventual ongoing but i feel like the current volume of moon knight is still so beloved and it's hitting on so many different cylinders and we just finished the moon knight show like i feel like if they were going to yeah. launch a second moon knight ongoing it'll probably be if we get a season two like timed with the release of season two so i don't think it's necessarily gonna be a moon knight announcement i'd have to agree especially because i don't know are you current are you reading moon knight 
Yeah. Uh, did we get an issue today? We didn't, did we? So I think I'm fine. No. Um, but, you know, like with they just introduced uh, Stephen Grant. Finally, yeah, reintroduce him, yeah. so I feel like with just now essentially reintroducing the main character from the TV show that you just really yep. like, I don't think you're gonna mess with that at all. You know, people are gonna go, Oh, Stephen Grant, I know that name, pick up that book. Absolutely, I think you are totally right. Uh, the other funny, uh, like also on the con, con thing, which is why I don't, which is what's messing me up on the is it. San Diego or C2E2. So but, uh, I know San Diego Comic-Con is starting this weekend, so. Probably too late for an announcement like that. Maybe, yeah. though. Uh, C2E2, they released, like, who has booths where, and Hickman has a booth right next to Chris Claremont. So there's all these jokes going around online about, like, oh, this is the real X-Men schism, and who would put those two next to each other and stuff? <laughs> they two very different philosophies on what the X-Men are. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you, so that's actually one thing that I am not ready for is all of the Comic Con news this weekend. Yeah, and I'm uh, really excited. I don't know that uh, my wife actually has to go. This might be too personal for a podcast. My wife's a teacher, <laughs> and she has two training days the next two days. So I'm gonna be on solo kid. It's gonna be like school has started again for two days, and then I get two more weeks before school. She really has to report back, but. Uh, it's going to feel like we're back in school times again already, which I hate saying in the month of July. So I'm going to be super ready for Saturday of just being attached to my phone all day for every like major announcement. Yeah. I did just look, and it is he's at the Next Big Thing uh, panel this Saturday. So okay. Now, they're doing a Judgment Day panel earlier in the day, and then he's at the second panel, so it's probably got nothing to do with X-Men, so I probably shouldn't be talking about it here. But he's probably my favorite like current writer so i'm excited no matter what he ends up writing i'm very yeah. excited for more hickman yeah always loving having more hickman uh it's actually a kind of a banger of a panel because it's got ram v's gonna be there colin kelly jackson lansing which is the uh new captain america the steve rogers book uh christopher cantwell darren shan lauren bism uh nick lowe and cb so that's that's gonna be a killer panel i'm gonna try to watch that at three yeah, that, oh man, Saturday at three, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, 145 is the Judgment Day panel, which uh, if you don't end up watching, I'll at least send you the highlights since Absolutely. we'll be talking about it. But mm -hmm. I think that's it for Marvel's panels. I know DC's got a few too, but those are the bit ones where Marvel news will drop for sure. Yeah. Was there any, did you want to talk about anything else from last week's books? I know there was quite a few. I mean, I feel like there were things that we could talk about, but at this point with Judgment Day, they have been overshadowed. Overshadowed, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, I will say going back to the like, just feeling like the the lineup, of, and I'll probably edit this out. I will say like, I with the editing of or the delays mo moving around the schedule, it's really weird that the same week we got the end of New Mutants, like time travely story the same day we go into Marauders, like Time Heist. So it just yeah. seems like really poor timing. And I'm sure it has more to do with all the delays we got, but really frustrating. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, the delays, I mean, they're affecting all the books that I read at this point, so. I am very pro-masking, pro, pro like we needed to deal with everything pandemic-wise and we didn't do enough. We should have done more. I'll be honest, I don't understand how comic book printing still has delays almost two year, full years later 
Like, of all things, like, printing presses don't need, like, the kind of maintenance I would think, like, there would be this backlog. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Like, I mean, I'm very, I'm very much of that same mind. And it's just like, how, how is this the thing that is still having more issues? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I'm sure there's more cogs in the machine, but like, we know they kept writing. We know they kept drawing. Like, it's not on the production side, so it's on, or on the like, uh, creative side. So it's got to yeah. be on the physical production side. I don't. It doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe maybe it has more to do with all the supply chain stuff. You know, that boat getting stuck in a canal for a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. could be any of that. It just. It, it irritates me because yeah. we get stuff like this. We had six books last week. We had two this week. We got a big old goose egg for Krakoa-related stuff next week. That's right. Uh, according yeah. to the list I have, which I know can always get pushed back, we have the Gambit book, which at least is tied into current stuff but isn't Krakoa. We've got X-Men House of XCII, which I did read the first two. It's it's a tie-in to the cartoon, essentially. It's yeah. It's okay. It's not great. I uh, just, uh, to me, like, when I saw that, I was like, why are we doing this? Why are we, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems... I feel like they do that every few years. Because I remember when I was super into comics in college, they did a version of... this. It's the same idea as the, the show they're doing. They did X-Men 92, which yeah. was a continuation of the TV show. Uh, and that was really big for like two years and it fizzled. But I feel like they constantly are just going back to that nostalgia train when, I don't know. The, see, reading the current stuff is filling my nostalgia, but... Uh, and then the other thing is Wolverine Patch number four, which is the second Wolverine series happening right now and is a flashback to... It's, I read the first one and I will catch up just so I can talk about it a little next week, but... I yeah, like, we're gonna do, if, if we need it... To... What we're gonna do is we're going to pick an old story and I'm gonna make you read it so that we can, we can chat about some classics. Sure, I'm down for that. Uh, and then two weeks from now, we have a banger week of immortal red and i think it was legion like i think the three heavy hitters are all in one week that's gonna be a whew, that's gonna be a lot to talk about absolutely all right one last thing before we go we want to open with a weekly question and we want your answers too this week we want to hear what's your first x memory what's your first memory of anything x-men and if you have an answer for us send it to arocco public radio at gmail.com that is one R, two Ks. Thank you. And we will see you next week. All right. See you.